0: Welcome to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony, and he provides commentary on the WMHT Live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live from WMHT FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. Our concert began with an
1: absolutely luminous piece by a great American composer, living American composer, Stephen Stuckey. Uh, Steve and I go back many, many years to the time when I was the assistant and associate conductor of the LA Philharmonic. Uh, while I was there, he came in as the resident composer. And so we we spent a lot of time together, and I ended up playing a number of his pieces there, and a couple of them when I first came to Albany. Uh, and he ended up having a very long association with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, I think 21 years as their resident composer, uh, and a number of pieces commissioned by them uh, from him, as well as a great number of performances concurrent with his time in Los Angeles. He was a full professor, a distinguished professor at Cornell University. I think he's uh, was a professor at Cornell for more than 30 years and has only recently moved over to the Juilliard School in New York. He still lives in Ithaca, New York, and commutes down to Juilliard uh, for a few days a week. Uh, and he's a, a very um, not only a very impressive musical thinker, but he's one of the greatest orchestrators walking the planet at the moment. He spent a number of years as a young man working in Poland and uh, studying with and getting to know the great uh, Polish composer of that era, Witold Lutoslawski, who himself was a great orchestrator. And while Steve's music doesn't really sound like Lutoslawski's music, he has the same sense of really knowing how to exploit the possibilities of the different instruments. So his orchestration is always incredibly vivid and wonderfully colorful uh, and, and just radiant. The work we're about to play, Radical Light, was commissioned by the L.A. Philharmonic, and I believe it was premiered in 2007 by that orchestra. Uh, And it it was a request from the then music director Esa Pekka Salonen to go alongside Sibelius symphonies on a big Sibelius festival that the L.A. Philharmonic was presenting at the time. So Stephen's assignment was to write a, a... 15-minute tone poem to sit between Sibelius's fourth and his seventh symphonies, two of his most profound utterances. The fourth symphony is a very dark, very spare kind of piece, and the seventh symphony, Sibelius's last symphony, is perhaps the most condensed symphonic utterance of all times. So it's a 21-minute piece, and it, it often has been called uh, or Sibelius actually intended to call it a symphonic fantasy because it's in one continuous stream. It's in four parts or five parts, but there's no stop between the movements or the sections. And so Steve, in a very daring uh, artistic and architectural decision, decided to model his, I guess it's now 16 or 17 minute tone poem, Radical Light, on the, the architectural ideas of the Sibelius's Seventh Symphony. So, like the Sibelius, it's a through composed one movement piece. And what's unique and, and incredible about the Sibelius Seventh Symphony is that by this time in, in Sibelius' development, um, he, he could. Create a one movement work, and yet you keep arriving at different kinds of music without realizing. That you had moved from the previous music, it's, it's sort of a seamless way of getting from from slow music to fast music, and uh, getting from uh, a sort of s- expansive section to what sounds like a scherzo, a lively part in, in three. And yet, you keep arriving in these different places in the architecture, in the landscape of the music, without having any sense of how he somehow matriculated from point A to point B. And so, uh, and it's a kind of unique thing. You know, usually composers have to stop and start the second movement, which is slow, as opposed to the first which is first, in Sibelius' Seventh Symphony, he managed to really create this seamless architecture. And that's really what Steve was going for in this piece. It's a very introspective, very beautiful, uh, very radiant kind of music. It sort of tracks Sibelius' Seventh Symphony in that it, 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 it happens the way that piece does and that it just unfolds and you keep finding yourself in these different musical landscapes without knowing quite how you got there. Very beautiful and dramatic piece. Uh, again, this is Radical Light, Stephen Stuckey's 2007 piece. It's performed by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller.
0: This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was American composer Stephen Stuckey's Radical
1: Light, performed by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. Steve Stuckey is this year's Mellon-funded composer mentor at the Albany Symphony so we'll be hearing and seeing him a number of times through the season particularly on our big American music festival that that ends the season next up on on this evening's program the beautiful Sibelius violin concerto with a very exciting young soloist with whom the Albany Symphony and I had never worked before Benjamin Beilman Uh, and I must say we were so impressed by Benjamin's musicianship by his artistry Uh, I'd known that he was a a big deal because I've been hearing his name around A good deal. Uh, He is a graduate of the Curtis Institute, where he studied principally with Ida Kavafian, a great friend of ours and wonderful violinist and and pedagogue. And uh, he's 25 years old. And uh, five years ago, he entered the Montreal Violin competition, and one playing the Sibelius Concerto. And I must say that there's a, a video of him on YouTube that I happened to watch, and I was so impressed by the way he played the piece that I immediately invited him to come play it with us. And, and I also thought that it was a lovely tie-in, uh, starting with a, a piece by Steve Stuckey that was inspired by Sibelius, Radical Light, and then going on to a a rather different Sibelius piece. Uh, This is a a really singular and kind of unique piece in Sibelius's oeuvre, in that it's the only concerto he ever wrote, as far as I can tell. And Sibelius himself, particularly as a young man, was a very serious performing violinist, uh, to the point where actually when he was studying in in Germany as a young man, he auditioned for the uh, Berlin Philharmonic. He was To our good luck, uh, he was not accepted into the Berlin Philharmonic, or he might have just been a a violinist who happened to compose. Instead, he went back to Finland and became the the greatest Scandinavian composer of all times. So that's a a good thing for us. But uh, the violin was uh, something that was very dear to his heart and also an instrument that he knew exceedingly intimately. So the pieces... Beautifully idiomatic for the violin, but also devilishly difficult. there are all sorts of virtuosic techniques in it and, and I think Ben said at one point in the rehearsals that um, he thinks maybe Sibelius not only took out all of his his loves and longings related to the violin in this concerto but actually kind of um, some of his hostilities about the challenges of playing the violin uh, are inflicted on the soloist. There are difficult passages of double stops and uh, which are where you play two pieces two, two notes at the same time and runs of two notes at the same time and difficult bowing techniques that really come to the the fore at the beginning of the last movement, which is technically exceedingly difficult for the violin. But I think what, what most of us are struck by in this concerto and the thing that makes it so unique is the way in which... As in so much of Sibelius's music, the, the solo voice, in this case obviously the violin, is really embedded inside the orchestral fabric. So it's not a, a, a major balance problem in that he was a very intelligent composer and, and orchestrates very well. So, so the violin is always present and we hear it basically, but the orchestration is so rich and full that it's as if the violin kind of emerges from this fabulous deep sound world of the orchestra. So it's, it's not like the o- older style traditional kind of violin Versus orchestra where they're very much delineated from each other, but one has a sense that the violin really keeps emerging from the orchestral fabric. It's, it's actually a, a fairly difficult piece to put together because of this aspect of it and because sometimes the orchestration can be sort of intentionally murky. So you want to be sure that the uh, rhythmic vitality of it is, is is kind of kicked up a notch. Otherwise, it can sound kind of muddy. But it is, is a very lyrical and deeply heartfelt uh, concerto. And the typical concerto form of three movements. First movement very expansive rather fast moving. Second movement really a slow introspective beautiful lullaby for violin and orchestra with a lot of feature for the the French horn section. The four French horns playing together playing kind of behind the violin. Uh, And the last movement this kind of Wild dance movement, almost like a tarantella, uh, with a very repetitive rhythmic structure of yum, da da dum, da da dum, da da dum, da da dum. In the orchestra and the violin doing these incredibly virtuosic pirouettes above the orchestra, a great piece and an amazing young artist, Benjamin Bielman. We were so excited to collaborate with him and to know him, and I hope he'll be back to play with us many times. Here now, the Sibelius Violin Concerto. Benjamin Bielman is the violin soloist. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me. David Allen Miller.
0: This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The Conductor's Notes podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. The final work on our program actually is something of a rarity.
1: In fact, I joked with the audience before the concert that I hope they would be patient with the new work on the program because it's written by a very young composer, 26 years old. Uh, and then I said, and I think he shows a lot of promise. His name is Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Uh, this is a, a very early symphony, his first uh, Winter Dreams or Winter Daydreams, as it's sometimes subtitled, uh, by Tchaikovsky. It's a work from 1866 when Tchaikovsky was a mere 26-year-old Uh, young emerging professional composer. He had just gotten his first official job teaching at the Moscow Conservatory of Music and just two years before when he had started to work on the piece uh, he'd still been a student in St. Petersburg. He was hired by one of those two amazing Rubinstein brothers Anton Rubinstein was the big power in St. Petersburg and and Tchaikovsky studied with him. He was mainly a pianist but also a very uh, well-known composer of the day although his pieces are no longer really heard that often and his brother Nicholas also a wonderful pianist and great all-round performer former, was the head of this new Moscow Conservatory and hired Tchaikovsky upon his completion of his studies to be a a young theory and composition professor in Moscow. So Tchaikovsky had just come to Moscow and had been working on this piece and had shown it to his former teachers, uh, Anton Rubinstein and Mr. Zaremba, who'd been his other teacher, and they were not too impressed by it. He was very hurt by that and encouraged him to keep working on it and uh, were pretty brutal with him, as they often were when he was a young man before he was really much acclaimed. Uh, but he continued to work on it and uh, wrote this symphony, which I think for a 26-year-old Tchaikovsky is just an amazing achievement. It, it doesn't have quite the architectural uh, surety that his later symphonies have. You know, there's that old joke about Tchaikovsky having written three symphonies, numbers four, five, and six. We don't really hear numbers one, two, and three that often because they're you know much younger, less developed works in terms of you know, if you put them up against Beethoven or Brahms, but they have incredible beauties, all three of them. And and I must say, I had never done this symphony, the first symphony before, although every year I'd listen to it and think it's so charming and put it on my short list of pieces to do. So I thought since we had the famous Sibelius Violin Concerto, it was time to try something a little different by Tchaikovsky, and I was delighted to do so. What I find so charming about it is that when you know a lot of Tchaikovsky's later music, even if you only know the Nutcracker and some of the symphonies and 1812, you, you begin to really see his fingerprints on this piece, even though it's a very early piece, and he was just in his mid-20s when he wrote it. Lots of the harmonies, lots of the orchestral colors that he's drawn to. uh, Lots of the tunes sound like beautiful tunes from his later, very successful ballets like Swan Lake and The Sleeping Beauty and, of course, The Nutcracker. So it's a a chance to sort of take a look in a window at at the young life of this great, much-beloved composer who's whose later music we're all very well acquainted with. The, the piece is in four movements and uh, as with so much music of this era of the 1860s and such, it's a very programmatic in feel. In fact, Tchaikovsky not only gave it a title, Winter Dreams or Winter Daydreams, but he actually titled some of the movements. There really isn't a specific title for the third or fourth movement, although the fourth movement is based on a beautiful old Russian folk song. But the first movement, uh, I believe, is something like uh, Dream of a Winter's Journey and the second movement is land of mist and darkness. And then the third movement is a, a, a traditional scherzo, a fast dance movement. And the fourth movement, this great set of essentially variations or fantasy on, it's not really a set of variations, it's more of a fantasy on this lovely Russian folk tune. Uh, it begins in a very arresting fashion, the first movement, with uh, not surprisingly, and, and this is why I wanted to put it with Sibelius' violin concerto. Sibelius' violin concerto starts with just the violin section doing these little uh, alternating, undulating thirds. De-da, 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 de-da. And this piece actually begins very much the same way, with just this very sparse, kind of icy ground cover in the upper strings, and then the beautiful main theme of the first movement comes in in the, the low strings and, and again very you, you have the feeling in, in almost all the movements the first, second and fourth movements of this piece that, that all the tunes are based on, on Russian folk melodies and in fact uh, I think they are in a sort of abstract way the, the last movement's based on an actual Russian folk melody in the first two movements Tchaikovsky is essentially making up his own Tchaikovsky and Russian folk melodies so as far as we know the thematic material is original even though it sounds very much like Russian folk songs so beautiful first movement very lively and flowing and uh, second movement um really a, a very impressive, again, sounding very much like, like Russian folk song, slow, introspective, kind of a dark but 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 beautiful piece that has a huge feature for the cellos and the violas. Uh, third movement, very uh, arresting and exciting. Tchaikovsky was much involved with the music of Mendelssohn at this time. He had heard the Italian Symphony of Mendelssohn recently and uh, really fallen in love with all of uh, Mendelssohn's music, The Midsummer Night's Dream, and I think had studied it very closely and was much influenced by it. So the third movement actually sounds like a Mendelssohn scherzo. It's got that same light, lively, gossamer, almost uh, uh, sprightly feel of of fairy music like in Midsummer Night's Dream. So a real Mendelssohn homage, uh, Scherzo third movement, and the last movement this fantastic, very bold and big treatment of this famous Russian folk song with lots of fugues. You know, fugues where there are many different lines, the same kind of the same motific lines ring against each other but at different intervals. A very complicated technique that, of course, was what was much deployed in the Baroque period by by Bach and composers like that. Uh, Tchaikovsky, having just finished his studies, had obviously been doing a lot of fugal study a lot of traditional work, uh, writing counterpoint, writing uh, this kind of, of music to improve his his general skills. And so throws a lot of this kind of Baroque, or pseudo-Baroque counterpoint into this big, beautiful, romantic symphony. But I think it makes it very exciting and, and, and vital sounding. Uh, Tchaikovsky himself was pretty critical of the the form of the fact that, that he, he always felt in his career and particularly early in his career that his weakness was in his inability to really build large architectural forms that that you know, you hear a section and then it ends and there 's another section, but that he, he didn 't have this wonderful Beethovenian sense of kind of, of connecting those sections in a seamless way in the way frankly that Sibelius just did in the violin concerto or in many of his works and yet. Even having lodged that critique, this is still such a tuneful, such a, a precocious work for a 26-year-old composer that uh, we all thought, the orchestra and I, that, that its charms were just unbelievably winning, and we were delighted to do the piece, and, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So here now, Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 1 a very early work from 1866 when the composer was a mere 26-year-old composer. Uh, it's performed by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen
0: Miller. Thanks for listening to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller of the Albany Symphony Orchestra from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org.